So uh, many, uh, many years ago now, was, um, Jan and I found ourselves moving to um, the relative countryside um, and uh, in the lovely Hampshire. Uh, and we moved there, I guess, late spring, I think it was. Um, and quite quickly, the, the nights began to get quite warm, and so we would leave our bedroom window open and discover what lots of city dwellers have discovered when they move into the country idyll. It's blooming noisy. Um, you know, we had, somebody was kept cockerels down one end, of the, uh, <laughs> one end of the road we were in, and they would sort of start up about 4.30 in the morning as it got light, and, and then you'd, you'd hear, I don't know, just heard all kinds of things, and, uh, but it's quite warm, didn't want to keep the windows shut. And then we start waking up hearing this low rumbling noise in the middle of the night. Uh, and it would just, just go on and on. And I'd look out the window to see what, what it was. And um, every now and then you'd sort of see sort of flashing lights. It felt like we were being maybe invaded by aliens or something. I thought, not in Hampshire, surely not. Um, and so we mentioned in our church to the, that we were going to, we mentioned to some people, said, well, there's this rumbling noise. I thought maybe it was the motorway. You know, in a still night, maybe you're hearing the motorway. And they laughed and said, no, 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 that's the harvest. We were surrounded by farms, um, very large farm, and, and, and they were harvesting. And they said, and they go through the night. They have big lights on because they're harvesting peas and they, they, these, these lorries all park up because they have to freeze them within you know, hours of them coming out the ground. Um, they freeze them in these big deep freeze containers. They just drive them away um, so that they're deep frozen immediately and they just carry on through the night. When the weather's good, you just harvest. I never, I never knew there was a harvest. I mean, I knew there was a harvest because I had celebrated school harvest festivals. I never knew that you actually, someone actually did it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I mean, I knew they did, but I never come face to face with the reality of somebody doing the harvest. Um, but here they were, um, harvesting. And I, in that five years that we were there, I learned, I learned um, quite a lot about harvesting and um, sowing and reaping. Um, hands up if you know anything about agriculture. Oh dear. Um, okay, here, here's what I learned. You take a small bit of something you want to produce, like a pea or a bit of corn or something, you put it in the ground, you wait several months, and you get a whole lot of the same stuff. <laughs> That's what I learned. That's how it works. So Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says um, in chapter 9 and verse 6, he says, remember this. In other words, you don't need deep revelation. You don't need to be a student of the Bible for, for, for many, many years in order to understand this principle. Paul just says, remember, just, just something you remember. He says, remember that what you sow, you will reap. If you sow sparingly, you will only reap sparingly. But if you reap generously, you will reap generously. Paul says this isn't deep and meaningful. This is just the stuff that everybody apparently knows, unless you've lived in the city like I had up until then all my life. That's what everyone knows. It's how it works. It's actually how it works in the whole of life, not just in agriculture. Whatever you sow, you reap. Now, Paul is talking about giving, but it could apply equally to something else. And... Um, let me just say right at the outset, um, we are talking about, about our giving to God, 
Um, and it's important to understand that the Bible is clear. There can be no significant spiritual growth in our lives unless we are willing to bring before God our money and our attitude to money. It's just not possible because money um, attaches itself to almost every other area of our lives. And if we want to say, well, I don't think God what should be concerned with my money, it's my money, uh, there won't be any significant spiritual growth at all. Somebody once said money by itself is neither good nor evil. And that's true, but money doesn't exist by itself. It all apparently belongs to somebody. You don't just find money around, it belongs to someone. Money in and of itself might be good or evil, but it's never by itself. It belongs to one another. If you go to the doctor um, and you say, I'm feeling a bit run down, uh, I'm not sleeping very well particularly, and I'm, I'm wondering, um, you give me some pills for it. The doctor says, well, tell me about your lifestyle. Are you stressed or anything? No, 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 doctor, I don't really want to go into all that. I'm just not sleeping particularly well right now, and I just need something to get me through the night. Well, can you tell me other, I mean, it was in your marriage maybe. No, no doctor, I don't want to talk about that. I'm just having difficulty sleeping. Um, well, are you feeling stressed at work perhaps are you finding yourself anxious perhaps in the workplace please I just want some pills to get me through the night the doctor will say I can't do that I can't do that because because you're, you're it, it touches on everything I need to know everything that's going on in your life if I'm going to be able to help you I want to help you but I'm going to need to know everything else and sometimes in my life, I say to the Lord, I want, I want to know your love, I want to know your joy, I want to know your peace, I want to have uh, a spiritual renewal in my life, but I don't want to talk about money. And God says, I, I can't, can't do that. The blessings that you want from me are the blessings I want to give you. The, the, the revival that you pray for in our nation is the revival that I want to bring upon you, but I, I can't do it apart from your money. Because what you do with your money will almost certainly indicate the position of your heart towards almost everything else. Paul writes to the Corinthians and his message is there are practical needs um, and uh, I need your money. But it takes him two chapters, chapters 8 and chapters 9 to do it. Why? Why doesn't he just say give me your money? As somebody once famously said, similar. Um, just give us your money. But basically, Paul says, but I know that we don't really want your money. God doesn't want your money. He wants your generosity. So Paul is trying to motivate the Christians in Corinth, and he's saying, how do I motivate them? I don't want them to give money, because they might well just give money, but I know that's not the real win for the kingdom. The real win is when my heart becomes generous towards God. God doesn't so much want my money, he wants my generosity. And so you can't just command generosity. You can command people to give you money if they owe it to you. Uh, well, you could try it even if they don't. It might work. Um, you can command it, but it, it doesn't change their hearts. And what God wants is a generous heart. So Paul has various attempts at motivating generosity. And here he uses this illustration in verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. And it works in every area of our lives. So quite quickly, I want to give you the seven irrefutable facts 
about sowing and reaping. Seven irrefutable facts about sowing and reaping. Okay, are you ready? Number one, you will reap what you sow. It's just, uh, it, it happens in life. The things we give our time and attention to, what we give our thoughts and our energy to, have the effect of multiplying themselves in our lives. We become what we repeatedly do. It's the fact in every area of our lives. This means we have to choose carefully what we give our time, energy, and our money to, because we will reap what we sow. I was just uh, in the youth group um, in my church. I grew up in a church in Chorleywood, just in northwest London, and um, a new vicar came in 1976, um, David Pitches, known to some of you, and um, David um, struggled to uh, have meaningful prayer times for himself. He would pray and read the Bible, but he felt he could do it better with others. He also knew that God was wanting to do something through the church in Chorleywood. He felt that God was calling it to be a bigger blessing to other churches. Quite pertinent to what we've sensed God calling Christchurch for at the moment. And so David started early morning prayer meetings. Often there were only three or four people there, but it began to grow a little bit. I think they would often get 20, 25, and it would be different people. And they did it four mornings a week. They met at 6.30 until 7.30 every morning and sometimes they felt as if there was nothing really happening and it would feel a bit flat but they kept going they kept going for years and years and then one um, I don't know which day of the week it was one morning um, the uh, one of the people praying uh, stood up and said Lord uh, I'm praying that from this church will flow the new wine that God is wanting to revive his church with David Pitchers went back to his study, wrote out half a page, new wine. How do we share the blessings that God has given us with everybody else? And look what came out of that. The whole of the new wine movement across the world came out of that little prayer meeting because they invested. They knew that if you invest and sow into it, you will eventually reap. What you sow, you will reap. Number two, you reap what you sow. Um, that means it's of a similar kind. If you consistently practice acts of kindness towards others, you will begin to reap kindness from others. Watch how it works. It's just how it is. You reap the same kind of thing. If you sow prayer and worship into your life, uh, you reap intimacy with God. If you give time and energy to serving the poor, you reap compassion for the poor and a growing concern um, for their well-being. If you read the Bible regularly, you will reap a biblical lifestyle. If you want friends, you have to be friendly to others. You, you reap in the same kind that you sow. When it comes to money, um, you reap back. Not about quantity. God will always make sure you have enough to give. If you seek to be generous with your money, God will always make sure you have enough to give. It's not a get guarantee to get rich. That's not what he's promising you. But he is saying God is able to multiply back to you what you give him. You reap what you sow. Number three, you will reap what you sow. And here I mean will by terms of the future. You don't reap in the same season that you sow. There's always a gap so that you end up sowing but you don't see any return. 
We had to plant some new grass on our, down the, um, in our garden uh, a couple of years ago. We scattered some, some lots of grass seed about it. And I'm quite impatient. Jan rolling her eyes. I'm very impatient. And every morning I would say to Jan, I don't think it's growing very well. It's not growing at all. All you can see is the mud. We put netting over it to try and uh, keep it free from birds, but it wasn't very successful. And I say, it's not working. It's not working. I can't see. We only planted it yesterday. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, but surely you'd see something, wouldn't you? I mean, a day, we watered it carefully. It was a hot day. You'd think it would make great. Just a little bit. All I wanted to see was a tiny little bit of green coming through. But two weeks, three weeks, there's nothing. But now, it's beautiful grass. Two years on. And it's like that in our lives, isn't it? We, we don't always see it immediately, but we have to keep going. We have to keep sowing because you will, in the future, reap what you sow today. So what you give today, that might hurt, but you're doing it because you know that you will reap and you're trusting God that you will reap in the future. And I've seen that in my life, you've seen it in your life. I used to go on um, uh, retreats, uh, um, I still do, uh, for a season going on a retreat quite regularly and I'd always come home at the end of a day's retreat, silent retreat, and Jan would say, did, did, you, did you feel God speak to you? Did you sense God you know, say something to you? And I'd often sort of say, no, not really. I don't really feel particularly that it was helpful actually. But I kept doing it. And then I began to realize that I, I I am hearing God's voice. I don't hear it there and then at the very moment that I want to, but the act of investing and sowing into it meant that when I needed the Lord's direction, somehow was able to find it in a way that I hadn't before. You don't necessarily get it the same day, but you have to invest. You pray. Jan and I took the, um, the wedding for a lovely couple in our church from London, um, the Ingalls, and, um, and we sat next to um, the groom's mother um, at the reception, and she pointed to her new daughter-in-law, and she said, I've prayed for her every day since my son was born. I prayed for the woman he would one day marry. I prayed for her for 23 years before I even knew her name. That's sowing. We sow and then we reap later. Don't give up sowing, my friends. That's the, the message. Number four, you always reap more than you sow. Um, verse, verse 10, um, Paul says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous in every situation. This isn't God saying, here's, here's how to get rich quick. This isn't a prosperity gospel message. God will always give you enough so that you can carry on being generous. And the moment we stop being generous, it's one of the reasons I'm keen that we share. If a church asks us to share with them um, a ministry of worship or take a prayer ministry team, I nearly always say yes. Yes, we'll come, we'll come. Because if we don't give away what we have, if we don't share it with others, I'm not going to risk that because we want to reap more than we sow. God will always give us more than we need so that we can be generous to others. Um, what are we on, number five? We reap in proportion 
to what we sow. Jesus uh, said, give and it will be given to you. With the same measure you give, it will be given back to you. So if you want to reap a lot, then do it a lot. And if we don't sow a lot, then we, we need to be careful that we're not trying to pray for something that we haven't been willing to sow into. That's fairly straightforward. Number six, you sow in pain, but you reap in joy. We sow in pain. Sowing is painful because you're having to let go some of the precious seed that you have got. And what's more, it's going to die. And that's hard. It's hard. We sow in pain. Some of you have prayed with tears. You've sowed in prayer in tears. And you've not yet reaped with joy. But we pray that you will. Weeping may remain a night, says the psalmist, but joy comes in the morning. And our prayer is constant that God will bring you into the morning. That you will, the morning dawn will break upon you. We pray that for you. We'll pray it today if you're in need. You've been praying and you're just praying with tears for something, maybe for a person somebody that you want to know Jesus, we'll pray with you that you keep sowing because we sow in pain, don't we? We give away and it's painful. But we look to reap back. My, my um, eldest son left to go to university and I was in Sweden the weekend. I was, I, I was, I'd booked it for a long time and it turned out the weekend that he was starting at university and I came back, I think I've told you this story, I came back and... Um, and the ha- his room was empty, all his stuff's gone. I came back late on the Sunday night, went into his room, Jam was out on the Monday morning, I walked into his room and it's gone, it's empty. Posters have gone and, um, actually that was a bit of a blessing really, um, but <laughs> the posters have gone um, and his bed duvet's gone and all his stuff's gone, it's just like a guest bedroom. And I rem- remember feeling so, so, he's gone, my baby's gone, my boy's gone. He's gone. And I remember weeping, sat sitting on his bed, just crying. But, you know, Lord, did I, did I invest enough in them? Did I spend enough time with him? It's too late now. He's gone. He's going to get new friends. He's going to, and in, as time goes on, he wouldn't even want to come back in the holidays because um, he's got friends he'll want to be with. And that season is over. But now I look on that time and I see what my, my, my son's doing and I'm, I'm so proud and I'm so grateful that he's making his own way in life and we've taught him to be mature and he's attending their church and being a blessing to the people he's at church with and I hear stories of an amazing story actually. The pastor that's now the pastor of the church that, that they go to um, found out that we were living in Tunbridge, his, his parents live in Tunbridge Wells and turns out he's a good friend of the previous vicar's daughter and he sat in our vicarage. Um, so this is a pastor in San Francisco. Um, and he sat in the vicarage, my vicarage in Tunbridge Wells, because he knows Howard's daughter, who's married to a church planter in <coughs> somewhere or other. I mean, it's like weird. And I look back at my boys, I'm thinking, I'm so proud of them. Uh, it was painful letting our children go. But every day now, I reap the joy of seeing my son take his place in the world, being what God wanted him to be. Strong, I hope, because in part of the prayers that we put into it, we, we sow in pain but we reap in joy. Uh, Did I give you the reference for that? Psalm 126, verse five. Uh, Those that sow in tears will reap with joy. Um, And what about forgiveness? When we forgive other people, we're, we're, we're tearing up the debt that they owe us. Oh, that hurts, doesn't it? To have to forgive somebody when they so badly owe me, I have to forgive. I have to say, I forgive you. It hurts. We sow in pain. 
but then we reap the joy of knowing God's forgiveness in deeper measure in our lives. For with the measure that you give, it's the measure that you receive. That doesn't mean that, that, that God won't forgive you until you forget absolutely everybody else. But your capacity to experience the forgiveness of God is limited to the degree that you forgive others. God will forgive you. It's not that he doesn't, doesn't forgive you. He said, but you, it won't be of any benefit to you. I've forgiven you everything, but you won't, you won't appreciate it. You won't value it. You won't have the capacity to see the amazing graciousness of it if you don't learn. Enter into the sufferings of Christ by forgiving others because when you do that, then you begin to reap that harvest of, of righteousness. You sow in pain but reap in joy. And finally, stop sowing and you stop reaping. Seven irrefutable facts about sowing and reaping. All this I learned in five years in Hampshire. Um, if you stop sowing, you stop reaping. Don't give up, friends. Don't give up sowing. It can be hard at times. It can be painful. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying for friends to know Jesus Christ. Don't stop praying for difficult situations. Don't stop praying for our children. Don't stop praying for revival in our land. You may have been doing it for years and years. Don't stop. Don't stop. Because one thing is for certain. The minute we stop sowing, we stop reaping. Okay, well, there you go. That's the end. Generosity is linked to revival and answered prayer. We know this, don't we, from the book of Malachi. God says, bring the whole giving and offering into it so that God, maybe there is a relationship between our generous giving and revival. Because God brings revival to a generous heart that is generous like his heart. We sang that beautiful hymn, Thou who was rich beyond all telling. He became poor for our sake. As we then enter into the generosity that he showed, then our prayers carry more prevailing power in heaven. When we pray with a generous heart for God to bring revival to our land, that prayer prevails to a greater degree in heaven because it's accompanied with the generous heart that first loved us. That's just how it works. It's sowing and reaping. In verse seven, Paul says, so what do you do? Well, each one should give what you've decided in your heart to give. That means don't leave it to chance. Don't wake up one morning and think, oh, I think I'll give this today. That's why we ask you to think about it, pray about it, make a response, and then make a commitment to it. You just leave it to chance, think about it. You pray about it, and then you respond. You sow as God leads you to sow. And our commitment of all of us at Christ Church is that we're looking to where does God want to bring a harvest so that you begin to see the fruit of the generosity that you bring to this church. Heavenly Father, um, I want to thank you for our, our church. What a brilliant church to belong to. We just love the, the fellowship that you have brought around this community here. And for those who have joined us in the last year since we last talked about our giving, I want to thank you for them, Lord, and thank you that you, you're bringing people on this journey with us um, right now. And I pray that you will speak to us about how to respond. Father, I don't want people to give what they shouldn't be giving. I just want to be honoring to you. So Father, I, I, I leave it in your hands that you will direct uh, everyone to give as you are showing them. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, amen.